Disability Advocacy Matters. Disability Advocacy Matters. Disability Advocacy Matters. This is the Disability Advocacy Matters podcast from Speaking Up For You, or SUFI. I'm Nance Haxton, and together we will speak to disability advocates about some of the main issues they see and what people with disability can do about them. Disability Advocacy Matters. Ricky Chaplin, and my title is NDIS Appeals Advocate. Ricky, tell us a bit of the work that you do as an NDIS advocate. Sure. So we specialise in assisting people with uh, navigating the administrative appeals tribunal process. Uh, So, yeah, we can't assist people with internal reviews, unfortunately, but once the decision is made to uh, appeal those internal reviews, uh, the second one, so there are two reviews you've got to go through internally first. If you're unhappy with the initial decision made in a review, you go to a review of a reviewable decision, as confusing as that sounds. Oh my goodness. So once that's done, and if you're not happy with the decision, you can then go to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal and have a, uh, a series of case conferences in which you can negotiate slash mediate with the NDIA regarding your requests. And I suppose the, a good point to make is that obviously this is a pretty tough process for a lot of people, Ricky. So people who are finding this difficult to navigate, as you say, they're not alone. Exactly right. Yes. Um, I think unless you're exposed to a bureaucracy, any kind of bureaucracy at a professional level, I think most of us are pretty much unprepared for what we're going to be up against. And really, there isn't a lot of material out there to educate us on how we can make the process as smooth as possible. We go into this blind, pardon the pun. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, I think it's great that we're doing these podcasts because we can try and prepare people for, you know, what they're going to be experiencing as best we can. I don't think you can ever be fully prepared, but to have information forearmed is forewarned, so to speak. Now, you said that Sufi doesn't help with internal appeals. Is there any advice you can give to people who are at that really initial first stage? Yeah, the key in any part of this process is the strength of the evidence that you present. So if you're asking for something make it as specific as you possibly can. So a specific number of hours, if we're talking about core support, or if we're talking about assistive technology or a piece of uh, equipment, be very specific about what it is and what those hours or that equipment is going to be used for, how it's going to benefit you and enable you to achieve your goals. You've got to always link it back to your goals in your plan. And it's advisable to get professional evidence so whether it be for not from an occupational therapist uh from a psychiatrist like a a letter yeah so it doesn't even have to be a full assessment necessarily but just just a letter outlining why you need the support what it's going to do to benefit you to enable you to reach your goals why it's necessary make that as thorough as you possibly can if we're talking about access So, yeah, we do assist people as well who go through the Administrative Appeals Tribunal process who are trying to access the scheme. That's another big part of our work. With access, what we find is that a lot of 
uh, GPs, a lot of medical specialists don't necessarily outline the functional impact of a person's disability on a day-to-day basis and that is what the NDIA are really looking for. They want to know how does your disability affect you from day to day, what is it that you're prevented from doing, what support do you require in order to achieve the things that you're unable to do uh, without that support. So it's not enough to just say okay you've got such and such a diagnosis and leave it at that. What they want to know is the effect of the disabilities on your day-to-day life. That's a big one. We really should go into our GP or our specialist with a list even and say to them, look, we really need you to be really specific. That's okay? Yep. And in fact, you know, I know people and certainly I did when I was preparing to enter the scheme myself. So my mother and I actually sat down and we wrote out the responses I would encourage people to do it because, yeah, the GPs, they're not trained in, in what the NDIA are looking for. It's a, it's a huge problem. So unfortunately, we've got to do the legwork, but it's worth doing because most GPs will probably go, yep, that's fine. I can totally see how that's going to work and I'll sign off on it. So don't be afraid to really speak to those issues yourself. What about if you've done your internal review and unfortunately you've been knocked back? What What's the next step? So as I say, you can uh, review uh, or get the initial decision reviewed. Okay. Uh, and again, if you're knocked back with that one, that is when you apply to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. And now I think is a, a good time to describe what happens there. Okay. Yes. So once that application's lodged, Um, There will be a case conference set up between yourself and the NDIA and at that case conference that's the opportunity to start talking about how your request, why it's important and they're really starting from scratch so it's it's an opportunity to state your case. Um, and it's you know it's not usually just one case conference. So what they'll often do is they'll go away from that first case conference and they'll present what they call a statement of issues. And so that statement of issues, it looks overwhelming, I've got to say, when you first receive it. So it's important to break it down into little pieces. because So first they'll clarify what supports you're actually asking for. And that's, again, I guess, you know, an attempt to try and get it specific. And then they'll ask questions around that support what's it going to achieve why can't you do it another way that sort of thing and you've got to hand feed these people Uh, let's be honest a lot of these people making these decisions don't have any lived experience of disability they don't live with people with disabilities they receive some training in disabilities but honestly it's not the same Uh, you can't just read from a manual or watch a video and then suddenly get it So we have to deal with people who know nothing about your life. So yeah, it's really important to get that information really articulated very clearly, as frustrating as that is. So yeah, the the case conferences, you might do two or three case conferences over time. And there might even be two statements of issues. Uh, I haven't seen any more than that, but that's not to say it doesn't happen. And it's important I think even if we're unable to assist you to get some support from somebody who is going to be good at articulating these things if you have a family member or you have a friend or you have a professional who you trust 
take that statement of issues to them and sit down because, yeah, it's such a hard thing to do on your own. It's really hard to look at your own life from an objective perspective and see how it plays out when you're in the middle of it, you know? And it needs to be done on a certain time frame too, doesn't it, Ricky? We should mention that too. Yeah, that's right. So there are time frames that are set and that is the role of the AAT. Mm. So the AAT, they're not the ones who make the decisions. They facilitate the process. And don't be afraid either to communicate with the NDIA lawyer in between sessions. That can actually be useful. You know, if you can build a good rapport with that person, uh, and as much as it, you know, it can sound a bit scary to be dealing with a lawyer, but hopefully, you know, if you get somebody who is reasonable, who is prepared to listen, they can clarify for you exactly what they're watching, you know, what the NDIA are looking for as well. So don't regard them as the enemy necessarily. Try and be on good terms with them. It's really hard to sort of play down your emotions during these processes, you know, because, yeah, naturally you're going to be invested in it. You're going to want the, the best outcome. But I think it's, it's important to remember that this is a process. As frustrating as it is, it can be lengthy. It can dominate your whole life. But I think if you can just remember it, that it is, it's a process of working through misunderstandings and and confusion and you know if we if we try and separate the emotions by all means you know find someone to vent to we all need that you know and that may even be counseling services Ricky I suppose if we don't have those supports around us yes yeah exactly right if you can get a um a gp care plan or something like that and Mm. you can get some sessions with a psychologist or a counselor by all means do it if you don't have someone suitable that is going to listen because yeah we all we all need to vent you know write it out even if you send you know if you write it in just like a text document or something like that it's very tempting if you write an email to someone to send it off sometimes it's just best to write it out and not send it just delete it come back and do it a bit later again if you have to doesn't matter but yeah it's really important to get it out so that you can actually deal with the process and if sufi can't help are there any legal agencies that people could try ricky or other avenues yeah so there will be people who are eligible for the legal aid service and that can be useful as well to get an idea of whether the requests that you're seeking are going to fit in within the frame of the legislation as well so that might get you to think about how you might modify the request if it needs to fit more accurately into that that legislative framework i think that that's a big one i think too you know just as i said turning to professionals as well and it often the statement of issues don't require a full assessment they'll just want a supporting letter they'll want clearer evidence from from professionals so you know if you've got a good relationship with somebody like that by all means use it yeah unfortunately there aren't many advocacy services around you know who can assist everybody because the demand is so high but if we can't help you know our intake officers are fantastic chelsea is fantastic at providing uh, referrals and advice so it's still worth ringing up sufi and giving it a try to to just get some advice even if it is just some referrals to other places that might be able to help absolutely yep that's right oh great look thanks ricky for explaining all that is there anything else that you'd like to add about this vexed area of ndis appeals 
I think just to remember that, you know, the NDOS, it is a scheme that is administrated. So I guess when it was publicised, it was put out there as this fantastic solution for people with disabilities. And it does. It, you know, it, it does deliver some great outcomes, but it doesn't always go smoothly because we're dealing with bureaucrats. We're dealing with people who are very far removed from the lived experience of disability. So, yeah, we've got to be the ones, unfortunately, to really spell everything out in black and white so that, you know, they, they can't just say, oh, no, yeah, there wasn't enough evidence there. Unfortunately, the onus is on us, uh, as frustrating as that is. Thanks so much, Ricky. No worries, Nance. This episode was recorded and produced on the lands of the Turrbal and Yagara people, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. That's all for this episode of the Disability Advocacy Matters podcast from Speaking Up For You. This podcast was produced for Sufi by Nance Haxton with production assistance from Michael Adams. Speak to you again soon. Disability Advocacy Matters. Disability Advocacy Matters. Disability Advocacy Matters. Disability Advocacy Matters. matters. It matters.